0: I'm Pastor Mike Winger, and this is Bible Thinker, the program dedicated to thinking biblically about everything. Welcome to the Tuesday live stream. I am Mike Winger, and we're going to talk today about uh, Lauren Daigle, uh, not specifically just about her, uh, but rather she was asked a really hard question recently and during an interview, and um, her answer has caused no small stir in the online world. In fact, let me just share with you. Like, if you just Google Lauren Daigle, look at the last stuff that's been up over the last week, um, there's an awful lot of complaining about her, there's a lot of attacks against her, then there's a lot of people just trying to nicely respond to what happened, others are defending her. There's just a lot of controversy over this issue. She was asked specifically about the topic of homosexuality, and her response has stirred quite a lot, so... Um, uh let me know if you guys see me there in the chat section. I just want to make sure that we're actually live and everything. Um, now, I, I want to say this as a disclaimer. Um, I am not here to attack Lauren Daigle. I don't know Lauren Daigle. like I actually had to look up to find out what songs she does um, uh, because i I just I don't listen to music very much, even though I'm a musician. <laughs> I'm kind of a weird musician when it comes to that stuff. I just don't listen to music very often, so I was like, "Wait, I, oh yeah, I've heard that song." Okay, she has a beautiful, beautiful voice, and, um, and 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 she's got some songs that have really meant a lot to a lot of people. So I, I'm just, I'm not attacking her, right? But I think that um, that her comments in this issue, in this, in this interview, that they reveal an issue or a struggle that millions of Christians share and non-Christians. They share this struggle. The struggle that we see her having in this interview is the same struggle that many of you actually have. And I thought, you know what, maybe this can help. Maybe talking about this, using this as an opportunity to talk about these issues can actually help. Because what if you're at your job, Um, someone at work asks you this question or it's an interview and they ask you this question or you're, there's a camera, someone points a camera at you and they ask you this question. What would you do? Here's her interview. Here's her answers. Um, think how would you answer differently? And it's, you know, what's the right perspective to have as Christians? So here we go. I just say, read the Bible and find out. No, from the, from the beginning. Like. I just say read the Bible oh, and find out. Okay, just a second here. Um, reset. Stop. Okay, here we go for real. I have tough. I hate to do this, you, Lord, but I have. I, I usually ask some tough questions. So is that all right if I ask you just a couple ones that are are tougher, and you can let me know if you want to answer them? Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, since we're talking about Ellen, do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? You know, I, I can't. Honestly, answer on that, in the sense of, I have too many people that I love that they are homosexual. Um, I don't know. I actually had a conversation with someone last night about it, and I was like, I can't say one way or the other. I I'm not God, so when yeah. people when people ask questions like that, that's what my go-to is, like. I just say read the Bible and find out for yourself because, and when you find out, let me know because I'm learning too. Wow, you're a pro already. Okay. So ignore his comments for a second there at the very end. Uh, Dominic Natty. I don't know much about him. I just know he's a publicist of some kind and he has a radio show. Um, He obviously baited her with this question. He was trying to create a controversial moment um, and now he's, promoted it and now everyone's responding and it's kind of the the way things are. I'd like to use this to think about these issues. And what I want to say is this from the very beginning. um, AJ, my my buddy AJ is in the comment section for the live stream. If you're watching live your comments, he's monitoring and watching those comments. You can put your questions for me in in the comment section now, but I'm going to ask AJ this, please, my friend, give me the hard questions, the hard questions that are on the topic of homosexuality. Give me those questions tonight. If you could prioritize those. And you guys, please put those there. It's it, I'm not, Don't be ashamed of asking those. I don't want trick questions. I'm not interested in word games. But I'm very much interested in genuine, hard questions to be able to answer those at the end of this stream because I know there's going to be things I don't talk about that I probably should. And maybe your questions will bring those issues out. And we can have a very honest conversation about it. So, um, the question. The question itself is... Lawrence asked, do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? And I can just say, this is a hard question, but have you thought, like, why is it so hard? Why is it such a hard question for people? Now, may- maybe, you know, it's not hard for you, um, but for most people, for a lot of people, this is a tough question to be asked this. Uh, and for one reason for two reasons it's hard really confusion and consequences I'll, I'll talk about the consequences first um there's consequences on how you answer this question it could affect your career it could affect your uh, your family it could cause discomfort between you and awkwardness as a weird confrontational moment suddenly pops up it could also cause people to dis- distance themselves from you to disown you as a friend or or even a relative i've i've had my own relatives separate themselves from me um even plan gatherings and not invite me to them because of my position, my answer to this question. I've never separated from them. I love my my family, but they have very much separated from me, several of them, because of this issue. I'm not kidding. And many of you know what I'm talking about. There are consequences to how you answer this question. That actually is why Dominic Natty, the, the, the radio show host, he answers her response by saying, wow, you're a pro already. Because he's like, hey, that's clever. Like you've, you've, you know, you've kept your your core base by 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 not saying it's it's okay and you've reached out to the other new listeners to your music as you're crossing over to the secular community, you know, by saying that you don't know and that you're kind of open and you're you're willing to hear people. And so he says you're a pro already. I'm not gonna assume that this was a public a publicist decision. If it is, that's that's to me. Kind of despicable if it's a decision to to speak about spiritual truths and relationships with God and to make a decision to say something that may or may not be true just so that I could kind of like get more money or more fame or not upset people. And to me, that is, consequences can't be considered, right? Losing friends, losing family, getting ostracized, losing career, these cannot even be considered when it comes to speaking truth about Christ because these truths are eternal truths. I'm not going to consider temporary consequences when I face eternal truths that may impact the lives of those around me and millions of people who might listen, or even one person who listens, depending. So Jesus himself, he says, like, you're gonna be hated by all men for my name's sake. It's gonna happen. People are gonna hate you for my name's sake. And so we need to um, we need to not think of our lives, not consider our consequences, as scripture says, to not hold our lives dear to ourselves in that regard. So that's easy. Consequences, not an issue. The other issue is confusion. Now, that is an issue. Why is this a hard question for me still as a pastor, as a Christian, who who's at least tries to be unafraid of consequences, unafraid of what it would do to my YouTube channel or what it would do to, to my family relationships? It grieves me, but I'm not going to hold back because of it. Um, I'm worried about confusion. I'm worried that people won't understand what I'm actually saying because what I say and what I mean versus what they hear me say, what they think I mean, these are two radically different things. For instance, uh, in politics, especially when I was younger, we would often hear these presidential debates, right? And the question in the presidential debates would be about, like, say, a particular military act. And the, um, the politician would say something like, oh, I don't think we should have gone in there. I don't think we should take that military action. And then the accuser would turn to them and say something like, so you don't support the troops, and the politicians are like, whoa, wait a minute. Don't say I don't support the troops. You're going to kill my career. I don't mean that. So they would all say, I support the troops. You know, every politician says I support the troops. I'm supportive of them. Uh, because they're trying to avoid the confusion. They want to be able to say, look, I can say I don't I don't think this military act was good. I don't think we should do this. That doesn't mean I don't support our troops. I would say it's the same here. I want to say, hey, homosexuality is a sin But then suddenly people don't understand what I mean. And there's all this confusion. Uh, They hear me say, not homosexuality is a sin. No, no, they don't hear that. They hear, Mike, you hate gay people and you're a bigot. That's what they hear. And I could show you the, the, you know comments held for review on my channel of all the people on the few videos I've done on the topic where they're calling me all these names. I mean, this is what, it doesn't matter how well I explain my position. They hear me wrong every time and that's going to happen. And I hate that confusion aspect. It's like, at least get mad at me for what I believe instead of for the confusion. So they hear you hate gay people and you're a bigot when you're actually just say, I'm just saying homosexual behaviors, the actions themselves are a sin before God, the sexual behaviors. That's the issue here. Um, For instance, if I said that lying is a sin, would you hear me saying you hate liars and you're a bigot? No, I just think lying is a sin. You shouldn't do it. If I say drunkenness is a sin, does that mean I hate alcoholics? Or do I just think drunkenness is a sin? You know, if you're a parent, if you've had kids, you know what it's like to disapprove of their behaviors while loving them. To in fact think their behaviors are wrong, terribly wrong, yet you still love your child. And so I can love somebody while saying that something that um, they're doing is sinful, but the world doesn't hear that sometimes. Sometimes they're, they, they just miss miscommunication, right? They don't understand what, what, what we're saying. So that confusion is a bummer. This is why a lot of Christians, they're not afraid of their position being known. They're afraid of their position being misunderstood. Hear us out. Like if you're a non-believer, a non-Christian, or maybe you're a Christian who's, who you've gone off the reservation on this topic, hear me out. Like God loves the world. Yet he calls out our sin just as it is. Jesus says, you know, to the people in Jerusalem, like, "Woe to you!" Yet he's grieved over it, right? He he calls out their sin. In fact, the first thing Jesus says in all of the Gospels, the first open preaching thing he does, is says he says the word repent. That's the first thing he does, and that is an act of love. It really is, Um, because the behavior and the person aren't the same, and that's the other aspect of the confusion where we think that um, uh, that when I say that homosexuality is sinful as if I'm referring to anything other than actual bedroom behaviors. I'm not referring to two guys holding hands. That can be acceptable and appropriate. I'm not referring to two guys living together, loving each other, caring, having compassion for one another, or girls for that matter. No, these aren't the issues. You know, if, if, if two people, they get married in the eyes of the world at least, and they live their lives together, and they seemingly have a really healthy, loving relationship, the thing that's wrong is what's happening in the bedroom. That's what God says. The Lord has told us, like, that is wrong. Okay, so I'm I'm condemning or putting down or calling sin a particular activity that happens in the bedroom not the entire relationship because there's aspects of the relationship that are like brotherly and sisterly that are healthy and good that you could have with anybody it's it's the specific bedroom behaviors that we're talking about here So, um, let's, I hope that clears up some of the confusion. I guess there's one other confusion I want to clear up and that's this. Some people would say, Mike, why are you, why are you harping on this issue? Why do Christians always talk about homosexuality? I was looking at my my channel and over the past year, I've made a lot of videos. I usually do two videos a week, sometimes three. Um, I've made a lot of videos and you know how many of my videos have been about homosexuality? Zero. Yet when I'm interviewed or talking to someone who's on, especially an atheist channel, guess what? What issue they always bring up? They always bring up homosexuality, because this is the this is the issue the world is bringing up. So as Christians, we're responding to what is the hot topic of the world right now, the confusion of the world. Um, I'll talk a little more about that later. But let's get into Lauren's answer of this question: Do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? She offers, at first, uh, three statements that give sort of a non-answer. And I think this is something that a lot of Christians would feel. And Lauren, I I understand, I think, at least some of the reason why you might have shared these things, you know. And um, uh, here's the statements, right? She says, I I can't honestly answer that. I can't honestly answer that. I don't know. I can't say one way or the other. These are the phrases that come out. I guess the bottom line here is, um, the question is, is it a sin or is it not a sin, right? Is it a sin or is it not a sin? And to get in the middle is not as bad as some people think. Let's be honest. Lauren did not come out and say, it's not a sin. It's, it's acceptable. It's totally fine and demonize people who think it's a sin. She didn't do that. She didn't come out and say that. She's not advocating for homosexual, you know, lifestyle and things like that. Uh, I don't want to pretend that she is and I don't want to overreact to her. And I don't want you to do the same either and, and think that she is. That's just not the case. Um, so she says, I'm not saying it to sin. I'm not saying it's not, I guess my only question for her and for you as well, if this has been, if, if you've been asked and you said, I don't know, I'm not sure. And you found that, Ooh, that released the pressure in that hard moment. I just have the question. Were you being honest? Is it really that you don't know? Is it really that you don't know? Or is it potentially one of maybe a- another issue like shame? You're just ashamed. You kind of know the truth, but you're just, you just feel shame. You feel this emotional sense of shame because the world is so, let's be honest, and I'm on the receiving end of this. And I feel that the world is very hateful towards Christians who lovingly hold to the truth of Christ in the scriptures, that the world is hateful and even churches are hateful um, sometimes to people who will do this. So was it shame? Was it, I will not speak openly and honestly on this topic because I'm just embarrassed of the truth. Well then, don't say you don't know. Realize that you have a spiritual battle going on, where your mind is being corrupted by the the lies of the world, and it's it's not true. But let let it, let yourself wrestle with the real issue here. It's not that you don't know; it's that you're ashamed um, because of the pressure of the world versus the Lord, and you're not sure which one you want to pick. Um, or was it tacked? I guess that's another issue. Is it could have been tacked. It could be, I'm saying, I don't know, because I'm trying to avoid having to talk about the issue. And I think again here, that is us dropping the ball. It's easy to be a light when all you do is talk about the love of God. When it becomes challenging is when you talk about the sin of man, any issue of sin, any issue of sin. You know, when you're, when you're confronted with these things and you say, no, I'm going to hold to the truth of God's word. You're going to, you're going to suffer for it. Um, And tact becomes compromise. And compromise becomes something that you're not certainly not going to be eternally happy about. So if that was uh, you, I don't know if those things might help. But what I want to focus on now is the reasons that she gave. There's three reasons that Lauren gave for her answer to this question. And I think these reasons are very revealing of not just Lauren, but but of I think a lot of people would answer it this way. And so the first one was, I have too many people that I love that are homosexual. So these are now reasons why she says I can't answer. Now, if... Is that logical to say I've got a lot of people I love that are that are homosexual so I can't I can't say that it's wrong. Um do you, do you really think that's logical? Is that rational? Like let's take it away from the emotional the heightened emotional level that we're often at in these issues and just say is it rational to say that if I love you I can't say that what you're doing is wrong. And to this I just want to say like you've got family right like you have friends who've done wrong things and you love them and because you love them you say what you're doing is wrong it's because of the love that you openly express the truth about the issue you say that what you're doing is wrong because i love you i've got to tell you this is an intervention in fact i got i was on a phone call earlier today with a a guy who's preparing to do an intervention with a, a, a girl who's just totally trapped in this cult group and I've done some content on that group so he called me and was like hey can we talk can you give me some, some, some ideas on what they're like um, how they brainwash people that kind of thing and they're preparing an intervention you see they're doing this and it's not going to be fun and it's going to cause division in the family and it's going to cause a whole stressful opportunity or event with all of them but he's like I'm going to go over there her family's asked me to come we're going to do an intervention because they love her see because they love her they got to tell her it's wrong because they love her. It's the same way. You know, I've had alcoholics in my family because I love them. I can't encourage them. And if they came to me and were like, Mike, you know, do you think my alcoholism is a problem? Do you think me drinking every day to the point of intoxication is an issue? I would say, I love you too much to tell you anything other than yes, it's an issue because I care about you. This, this seems basic stuff. So I have too many people that I love that are homosexual. That means I, I really can't be on the fence. I better find out whether this is right or wrong because either I should encourage you or I should pull you away from that lifestyle if I possibly can, because it's a wrong thing. Um, the, the second thing she had mentioned is that she's not God. Lauren said specifically that she was not God, and that that was like a reason why she can't say whether, you know, homosexuality is a sin or not. Um, I think it's a really important point, right? You're not God. I'm not God. And that does mean that it's not, let's be careful here in our analysis of this idea. It means that it's not my, it's not up to me. It's not up to my opinion, whether it's right or wrong. It means it's out of my hands. The issue of, of whether or not this is a sin is not up to me, nor is it up to anyone else on earth because we're not God. So I think we can, hopefully we can agree on that topic, right? It's not up to man to decide what's right and wrong. It is God who reveals these truths to us, but it is not up to us. But the fact that you're not God, does that mean you can't call it a sin? I don't think so. I think it it just, it simply means that if God calls it a sin, you have to echo that because you're not God. It's not up to you. If God says it's okay, then you have to echo that because it's not up to you because you're not God. You're resting on his authority. We've all been in that situation where, uh, well, most, many of us have, right? Where you're working for a company and your company has policy that rescues you from an angry customer. Where, um, you know, they, the angry customer is like, I, I want to return this thing. I don't like this thing. It, it it didn't work or something like that. And you look at it and you go, oh, well, it's already been opened and used. And because it's, say, it's an electronic device, uh, our company policy is we cannot receive this this for return after it's electronics and it's been opened. So we we just can't do the exchange. I'm sorry. The, the thing is, we use this word policy to rescue us because then the, the customer knows when you say it's policy. You're saying it's not up to me, guys. I I couldn't if I wanted to. That's a humble position, and that's my position on sin. I go, Lord, what's your policy on this issue? It's not up to me. And because I'm not God, I therefore don't have a say. I just have to bow down to what God Almighty has declared on the on the topics of life, because He is God and I recognize He is God. So there's there's the danger though, um, let me take you to a scripture to share this with you. There's a danger that I want to share with you guys. And it is this, this idea in Isaiah chapter uh, 5. And I think it's in verse 20. Where he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This, this concept, woe to those who, who call good evil and evil good. This is exactly what it means to play God it, it actually putting yourself in God's position is to say I'm gonna remake morality based upon my opinions I'll just say you know I've decided that it's the 21st century it's 2018 and you know um, homosexuality it's it's entirely acceptable and it is good even though God called it something evil the sinful behaviors the bedroom behaviors not not talking with a, a, a an accent that's identify with homosexuality not not a guy that is a little bit more feminine in his characteristics or a girl that's a little more masculine. That's actually not even the issue, right? We're talking about the bedroom stuff, right? So me playing God is me switching evil for good and saying, God, you call it sin. I'm going to call it good. Now you're playing God. That is the danger here. That's actually challenging God and going against God in what he says is right and wrong. And it goes way back to Isaiah's time. They were like, hey, they were calling evil good and good evil. And he goes, don't do that. God has declared. And they go, oh, Isaiah, those old morals of the law, they're so like outdated and last hundred years ago. So last age, you know, bronze age, we're not interested in that kind of stuff anymore. And it doesn't matter. You know, God has declared it. I'm not God. I have no right to change what he says. So in all reality, this second statement of Lauren's, you know, I'm not God. it it actually means that I should bow to God and what he has said on the issue. And the first statement, it also actually supports me finding the answers and then going to my friends who are in this lifestyle and saying, do I need to call them to come out out of love and compassion for them? And then her final statement was this. She said, read the Bible. And this was actually really interesting that she said this. she says, read the Bible and find out for yourself. And when you find out, let me know because I'm learning to, um, now, I'm going to take this at face value, okay? It's possible that she's blowing smoke, but I'm going to take it at face value because if I'm not sure, I like to take people at face value and, and take them as though they're speaking honestly to me. But so then if this is face value statement. This is actually really good. Um, what it would mean is that, Lauren, like a lot of Christians, like maybe some of you, you honestly are confused about the issue. And even though you, you've read the Bible, but you don't really feel like you clearly know what the Bible actually says about the topic of homosexuality. You feel torn. You feel confused. You've heard a few things here and there, and it's made you go, I don't really know what the scripture teaches on this topic anymore. And so let's look at the Bible. So back to uh, the text of scripture. Let's find out what it says. Here we go. I'm going to give you just a few verses. And I have um, uh, an extensive, I've put a link in the video description. I have an extensive four-part series I did a couple years back on this topic. And I deal with thoroughly what the Bible teaches about it. In and, and, oh man, it's like, if you really want the full download, that's right there. I deal with it all. But let's look here at Romans one we We'll look at a sample of some passages. It says, for this reason, uh, Romans 1, by the way, is this this sort of condemnation on mankind. It's exposing how man has fallen in sin as, as a group, we just, we just have fallen into sin and rebelled against God. And the result is that God gives us over so that we, we would just become even worse. We reject God. So then we embrace sin and God allows us into that. And in Romans 126, it says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, dishonorable passions. Des- that is desires that are wicked. Every desire is not wicked, but there are some desires that are not. Uh, not good, that are wicked. So for their women, look at the description. Their women exchanged the natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So this is, this is a, a passage that is, it's interesting as the word homosexual is not used here. No, no, it's, it's actually a description of the actual behaviors themselves. W- women and men have a natural use, which according to the Bible, what's the natural, proper sexual relationship between man and woman? Marriage. One man, one woman in marriage together. And Jesus affirms this. I'll get to Jesus a little bit later. You wonder what Jesus says about this topic. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, so this is saying, hey, you know, instead of marriage, what they've done is they've burned and they've directed their, their lusts towards the wrong things right instead of this purity of marriage it's it's men with men and women with women so this is a clear New Testament condemnation of this topic um, some people they try to play games with history and play games with Greek and things like that I actually deal with that in my video series it's linked below um, it's the second video in the playlist where I talk about this passage and all that stuff uh, but the the obvious reading of the passages right specific behaviors are defined and and at this point somebody might say, "Mike, why does God care about my sex life? Why does God care about my sex life?" And to this I just say, like people who care about you care about your sex life. Like that's just reality. If if you if you're a parent and you have like a, a 15-year-old girl, you care about her sex life. If you're a child and you have like a 40-year-old mom who just got divorced and now she's maybe looking around, you care you care. It doesn't mean you want to nose in, but you certainly care. It matters why because Sex is this beautiful, wonderful thing that happens between husband and wife. It's sacred. It's glorious. It's amazing. It's mystical. It's wonderful. And because it's so wonderful, it's super important. Because it's super important, it can easily be distorted, disgusted, twisted, and harmful. And God cares because he cares about you. Um, Yeah, he made you. He created you. And he he of course cares about these issues for those who mock God for caring about their sex life, so to speak. I do hear this sometimes because I listen to a lot of atheist content online and skeptics. Um, I just do they, they don't, that, that kind of sarcasm and ignoring of the real issues is not helpful (laughs) to anybody. (laughs) Um, so first Corinthians six, nine, this is another passage and I'll, it's the one more passage I'll go to, um, from Paul. On the topic of homosexuality, and it's actually really interesting. Um, it specifically talks about a list of people here who will not go to heaven, right? I say go to heaven, it's a colloquial term. I mean that they will not have eternal life. And so in First Corinthians 6, 9, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And it's going to give a list, a list of, of, of the kinds of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. This whole list, it's inclusive. Everything on this list is included in the in this group who will not inherit the kingdom. But it's prefaced with this phrase, do not be deceived, because it's just like the scripture saying, this is a deception people fall into. They think that these sins are suddenly okay. They think that it's okay to live a lifestyle of practicing these sins. Um, so don't be deceived on it. Don't be tricked. Don't fall into that trap then it goes on. He says, neither the sexually immoral. That's a catch-all phrase, right? You're, you're, you're sleeping around. Um, that's out, and outside of marriage, sexual promiscuity. Um, yeah, you're practicing that. Yeah, you're, you're not going to heaven. You're not making it. Um, idolaters? Nope. Adulterers? No. Nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. See, there were, there's former, former homosexuals that were part of the early church, former adulterers, former sexually immoral, former idolaters, former thieves, former greedy and drunkards and revilers and swindlers. And they had come to Christ and their lives were changed and they were living a godly life. But he says, don't be deceived. Those lifestyles you're living out of Christ. That is condemnable behavior. This word though, this is where the Greek comes in. Um, I'll, I'll go to the highlight. This is in the ESV version. They actually have a footnote here. They the words they translate as nor men who practice homosexuality. That phrase in the in the Greek. Here's what they say about it. The two Greek terms. Um, oh, you can't actually see the footnote. It's the way my software works. I'll just read it to you. The two Greek terms translated by this phrase refer to the passive and active partners in consensual homosexual acts. That's what it refers to. The, these these words are arsenikoitas and malikoi. These two words refer to Active and passive partners. If you think of two men who are participating in particular, then you have an active and you have a passive, you know, one receptive person. Uh, forgive the language. This is this is the issue we're 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 um, we're talking about today. So um, these words, that's what they mean. Now, some people want to act like the Greek is confusing here, and we don't know what these words mean. Uh, Matthew Vines, who is a pro-gay advocate and really one of the staunch supporters of changing churches and changing Christian theology to support homosexual behavior. He says that we don't know what these words mean. And that's why for 1900 years, they were treated as unclear. And this is, this couldn't be more untrue. Um, There's a lot of nonsense going around when it comes to Greek. You know, people try to Greek over your head a lot, right? They go, well, in the Greek, well, historically, and sometimes they're informing you and helping you and sometimes they're just trying to talk over your head so they can take advantage of your lack of knowledge in those areas. The the words themselves, arsenicoitas, it's referring to the active, um, partner. Malakoi is the passive partner. That's what these words mean. I get into more detail in my video series, which I, again, I linked down below. Um, this, this couldn't be more clear. The Bible could not be more clear. There's Old Testament passages. There's New Testament passages. There's multiple passages and they're all universally saying this activity is a sinful thing. And, um, if you care if, if if you believe the Bible is God's word, your question is answered. Your question is answered. It's just now you have to deal with the confusion and the consequences of having to say yes to that very scary question. And I say Let's fight through the confusion. Let's try to break the stereotype. Let's try to tell people how much we love them, even if we don't approve of their behaviors, how much we love them and we want them to know Christ and how God has a better way for their life than the life that they're living and how when they think they found their identity, what they found was a distortion of their true identity as God made them and Christ wants to rescue them from those things. And they may hate you or mock you or criticize you or persecute you for it. And that's okay because that's what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Jesus this is this is real Christianity here this isn't just Christianity for the screen Christianity for mass media Christianity for getting my my message out to the masses of of God's perfect love it's the gospel right it's it's the true message of the gospel of Christ there are stumbling blocks to coming to Christ and we can't ignore those we have to acknowledge them and let them stand now at this point I think somebody is going to say um, Why didn't Jesus say something about homosexuality? And I've heard pastors, pastors, right, who've said, and I've heard them say this, look, if Jesus didn't think it was important to talk about homosexuality, then I don't think I need to talk about it either. And I would say that is wrong for several reasons. So think this through with me. What did Jesus say? First off, um, Jesus didn't talk directly about homosexuality because his ministry was to the Jews. Think about this, right? Jesus's ministry was focused on reaching the Jewish people. That was what he did. That was his teaching. All of his teaching was for Jewish audiences. The Jews had no confusion on this issue. They weren't thinking that homosexuality was, was a permissible behavior. They were all convinced it was wrong. Jesus didn't talk about it because it wasn't an issue amongst the Jews. That's why Jesus doesn't mention it. But yet Paul, Paul the apostle to the gentiles scripture says he goes out and he's reaching out to gentiles and he writes his letter to the romans and the romans sure were confused on this issue so in romans and corinth where they sure were confused on this issue he makes it very clear to them that this is wrong behavior but he didn't have to do that with the jews jesus because they were already on the right page what jesus did say we can read about in matthew 19 matthew 19 verse 4 where jesus talks about marriage um Jesus says this, and it's very revealing of Jesus's position on, uh, on on marriage, on sexuality. It says, he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, that this male female difference is an essential part of our, our creation and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. That's a masculine term, a feminine term. It's just assumed that this is a man and a woman, one on one in a marriage And the two shall become one flesh. There's this mystical union, this connection. And married people, you know this, right? Um, So that they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. That this is marriage designed by God, male and female. He affirms this. He affirms this. Now, if Jesus answers questions about marriage by appealing to God's original created order in Genesis, how do you think he would have viewed homosexuality? If Jesus has the worldview, the Jewish worldview that his contemporaries had, that certainly he gave them through the scriptures of the Old Testament. What do you think? I mean, the one who inspired the scriptures, what do you think his view is going to be on this topic? To try to say Jesus stayed silent and therefore I should stay silent is to ignore what Jesus actually said and the context within which he said it. When Jesus went to the Jews, he highlighted issues they were confused about. He talks about how they were caught up in all kinds of weird religious stuff, how they added the commands of man to to the commands of God, and he rebukes them for that. He talks about issues with the temple. Um, He gets into sensitive topics that were embarrassing and challenging to the people, stumbling blocks to the Jewish people. So he targets the issues they're confused on. He targets the things that are keeping them from God, the sins that are keeping people from God. Jesus goes, I'm going to deal with that. Then... Paul, the apostle, he goes into the Roman world and he targets the issues that are keeping them from God, right? When he's in Athens, he targets idolatry. It's going to be a total, like, haywire problem when he talks about idolatry in in the middle of all the idols, but he does it because that's what's keeping them from God. When he talks to the Romans, he talks to them about the sin issue of homosexuality because that's keeping them from God. When he, he talks about adultery and drunkenness and greed and all of the things that are keeping them from God. As a Christian, when I'm inviting people to Christ, I also have to talk about the things that are keeping them from God. That's just part of the gospel message, you guys. They're not going to like it. Um, they Maybe mis- misunderstand, distort, whatever. It's not on me. What's on me is to echo what God has said. And I do think that um, this is something of a watershed issue for Christians. This is where I'm concerned with Lauren or anyone else in the audience who, once you start waffling on the topic of homosexuality, It starts to get a little bit predetermined that you're moving yourself into a new version of Christianity that is being shaped in order to be compatible with the world. I need need my version of Christianity to be more palatable to the world. I won't ditch Jesus in name, but I might ditch some of the things he stands for and some of the things that he would say, I may disagree and I may go down a different road. And I may even emphasize Jesus. I might say, Hey man, I, I'm just about Jesus. I'm just about Jesus. But yet, obviously, if Jesus was asked the question, is homosexuality a sin? We know what he would answer. If he was just to answer in one word, the word would be yes. The word would be yes. Um, it's it's not a confusing topic, honestly. We make it confusing because we're trying to find a way around dealing with the consequences and the confusion that come up when this issue pops up. So... Um, that's what I had to say and I'm gonna I'm gonna go to your guys questions right now and again I'm hoping to prioritize the um, the hard questions the, uh, the the stuff from you guys where you're, you want to challenge me I'm not offended by that I take it as an opportunity to explain myself better hopefully that's my goal so um, I know I'm hitting the questions a, a little bit earlier probably in the stream than I typically do um, but let's uh, AJ will send those over to me as soon as he's ready I'm sure he's compiled them oh they're here they have arrived. Oh, by the way, while, while I'm doing that, um, I want to show you guys my new, my new little, watch this, uh, yeah, subscribe. Isn't that cool? Um, yes. Thank you very much. Hey, one of my viewers actually sent that into me, made it for me. Didn't even tell me about it. Just gave it to me as a gift. So that was pretty cool. I'm going to show it again. Cause I'm a dork like that. Uh, okay. All right. So Nathan Watt says, uh, Mike, what would you answer if asked the same question? Do you think she knows and is just scared? Um, I don't want to speculate on what Lauren knows because I, I just don't have enough information to know her heart. This It could be a calculated decision where she's going, hey, this is just a PR thing. I'm going to answer this way for the sake of my career. In which case, I think that's, um, I think that's a shameful thing to do. I think it'd be better for her to say in the interview, um, I don't want to talk about that in today's interview than to pretend to not know and, and water down a very important issue in our culture, something that's keeping people from God. Um, but... That doesn't mean that she's doing that. She could be doing that, but I don't know. What if she's honestly confused? What if she was exposed to Matthew Vines and his utter abuse of Greek and history and she goes, I don't know anymore. I really am confused. And so she's just honest. She's just being totally honest. She's like, somebody, you want to tell me, tell me, but I'm like thoroughly confused. So I don't know. Um, If I was asked, I would say, um, is homosexuality, let me put the question up again because the way it's worded is really, um, it's meant to trip you up, right? Do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? I think I might answer like this. Um, Regardless of how I feel, it's not up to me whether things are sinful or not. Um, The truth is that um, God has revealed that sinful behaviors include sexual acts outside of marriage, outside of a man-woman marriage, including homosexual behaviors. Now, that's not going to make people happy. Um, And I may follow up with trying to explain about the love of Christ and things like that, but it's not going to water down the fact that they're going to get mad at me because I'm going to stand on biblical truth on truth on this issue. Uh, Lana Lay says, how would you deal with a homosexual wedding invitation from a friend who knows you're a Christian? Um, Boy, I've actually wrestled with this question myself. Um, I I think it totally depends on your circumstance, to be honest. Um, Let me give you a couple examples. Let's say that um, uh, it's your son and your son is getting married to a, a, a guy. It's a homosexual wedding invitation, right? So it's, it's, by the way, that's it's not a, that's not technically a gay marriage. It's a same-sex marriage, and there is a big difference between the two. So, a same-sex marriage is a man and a man who get married, right, or a woman and a woman who get married. They're of the same sex. Um, that's that's the specific uh, issue that's going on here. Now, let's say your son knows everything about you, knows you oppose it, knows your, and he knows that when you if you go to the wedding, you are not approving of it in any way, shape, or form. And you sort of know this is just my way of showing him I love him. He knows I disapprove of 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 this. And of the, uh, of, of the way they're, they're locking themselves in and calling something good that God calls evil. So maybe you go to that wedding. Or maybe if you go to the wedding, you send the wrong message. And you distort the gospel of Christ because you're sending a message where you're approving of the thing. I think it really depends on the circumstances. And I just pray God would give us all wisdom for the situation we're in. Um, yeah. We have a, a transgender person uh, who's also gay uh, in my family who I haven't seen in years. Last time I saw him, um, I uh, I purposed to go and give him a really big hug. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but they all know I'm a pastor and they all know my positions on things. So I didn't need to say anything. So I just wanted to be like, over, just really overtly loving and kind and gracious. And so I just gave him a big giant hug. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe in, in another context, maybe that would have been a bad idea. I, I thought it was a way to represent Christ. So. God, give us wisdom. Judah Matthew says, Mike, should we as Christians attend a gay wedding? Okay, similar question. Is it a conscience issue or is there clear biblical teaching that applies? At what point does being involved become approving of sin? I think to follow up, the moment your involvement involves you approving of sin, you can't do it. Like that's easy. If, if my involvement involves me approving, I can't do it. But if my involvement perhaps is sending a different message, is communicating something totally differently, um, you know, may God Give us wisdom. Give us wisdom in that. Um, Rebecca Kiel says, Hey Mike, would you consider it a mental disorder or just a typical sin temptation type thing? I mean, I don't think it's a mental disorder to have like sexual desires that are outside of God's plan for you because I think that that's like the normal human condition. <laughs> I think that, I think we, we all will deal with the struggle of lust in directions that are ungodly, that are that are wrong. This is normal. This is normal. I think that the person who does the same-sex attraction is not that different than me or anybody else. I, I so I, I don't consider it in, in that category at all. Um, I think maybe trans, transgenderism is a different issue. That 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 sense of where you hate your own does your own body, what you you, you want to be um, uh, impersonating something you're not, and that that to me, my heart goes out to you. I, I think there's something else going on there, but but with with sexual desires outside of what should be appropriate, what is appropriate, husband and wife, outside of that, that's a normal human condition. Um, There's more I could say on that, but I hope that helps. Uh, Dean Ainsworth says, uh, Hi Mike, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the current debate between Christians in regards to Paul speaking about temple prostitution and lust versus, versus homosexuality wanting committed relationships. So there is actually, um, what he's talking about there, Paul's talking about an, a possible interpretation of Romans 1. I said Paul, uh, Dean. Dean's talking about a, a possible interpretation of Romans 1. So in the passage in Romans 1, um, I guess I'll just bring it up for you guys again. Some people think, this is where Matthew Vines does this uh, as well. Um, they say, hey, this is actually just talking about temple prostitution. It's not condemning loving same-sex relationships and they go a step further and they say a loving committed same-sex relationship wasn't even known in the first century Um, which to me has a couple problems one problem is this like if you can't say people are born gay and then say that there wasn't even possibly that kind of relationship in the first century like these are two conflicting statements right you're born that way yet that didn't exist before like pick one you can't have both but the issue is, and I did do a lot of research into actually Rome, ancient Rome, on this topic, and um, I'll give you a quote from uh, from N. T. Wright on the topic of was this were they aware of specifically same-sex loving relationships at the time? Um, let me find it here. I have it in a document. Okay. I'll give you a couple quotes. This is a quote from uh, Lewis Crompton. He's actually a gay man and he's a pioneer in queer studies. And he wrote a book, a huge book called Homosexuality and Civilization. And here's a quote from him. He says, some interpreters seeking to mitigate Paul's harshness have read the passage in Romans 1 as condemning not homosexuals generally, but only heterosexual men and women who experimented with homosexuality. According to this interpretation, Paul's words were not directed at bona fide homosexuals in committed relationships, But such a reading, however well-intentioned, seems strained and unhistorical. Nowhere does Paul or any other Jewish writer of this period imply the least acceptance of same-sex relations under any circumstances. The idea that homosexuals might be redeemed by mutual devotion would have been wholly foreign to Paul or any Jew of early Christianity. Um, So that's a, a similar issue. It doesn't bring up specifically temple prostitution. For that, I would say read the passage and look at it. There's nothing about temples... The word idolatry is brought up earlier. Um, they worshiped idols. And because of this, God gave them over to a debased mind, right? Dishonorable passions. But that's not to say that these things were all taking place in the temple. As in, you can do it, just don't do it in an idol's temple. That's not that's not the context of the passage. Um, the other quote I had for you was from N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright, he says, As a classicist, I have to say that when I read Plato's Symposium, or when I read the accounts from early Roman the early Roman Empire, of the practice of homosexuality, then it seems to me they knew just as much about it as we do. In particular, a point which is often missed, they knew a great deal about what people today would regard as a longer-term, reasonably stable relations between two people of the same gender. This is not a modern invention. It is already here in Plato, already there in Plato. The idea that in Paul's day, it was always a matter of exploitation of younger men by older men or whatever... Of course, there was plenty of that then, as there is today, but it was by no means the only thing. They knew about the whole range of options there. And that is from uh, John L. Allen Jr.'s uh, interview with the Anglican bishop in T. Wright. Um, anyway, I've got other quotes I could share with you but what happens is you hear these quotes and they sound good right these ideas and they sound good at first oh it was just about temple prostitution the problem is that that ignores uh first corinthians that really ignores the context the actual context of romans it ignores the other scriptures in uh, i think it's first timothy Um, it's just blanket condemnation right just blanket condemnation um, of this behavior so i hope that answers that question Um, From Martin Gradwell, he says, uh, Mike, do you think the Pope got it right when he said, who am I to judge? Um, The irony of such a statement. So um, the Pope was asked, what was the question? They asked him either, either asked him, um, is homosexuality a sin? Or did they ask him, can a homosexual be saved? Go to heaven. Like, which was the question? I don't remember how the question was worded, but his statement was, who am I to judge? I think that was the moment When I realized, this was early on in his papacy, in Francis, in his papacy, and I realized this guy does not, um, he's not a Catholic, like he's not Catholic in his theology. Who am I to judge is a very strange thing for the Pope to say. I would would agree. uh, The Pope has no legitimate biblical place in the church. There is no Pope, so he's not anyone to judge. But when I say who am I to judge, shouldn't I then say who is to judge? which is God. God is the judge. And he has given us clear teaching on this topic. And our culture that feels like embracing homosexual behavior is noble and good, is wonderful. This, this culture is, is heading for pain and heading for suffering and broken relationships with God and each other. And, um, and I just believe God on those topics. And it's my love for them that says, God has already declared, who am I to disagree with God? Wouldn't that make me the judge to tell? God says, it's wrong. And I go, well, maybe it's not wrong. Am I not now the judge? So yeah. Uh, question from uh, Pine Creek. Um, Since homosexual behavior is observed in the animal kingdom, does Mike think homosexuality has a genetic component? I did some research into whether there's a genetic component. Uh, back when I did my series, I think it's the third one in the series. And from all I could find uh, online, uh, in looking at actual studies they've done, was that if there is a genetic factor in homosexuality, it seems to be very minimal. Um, I don't know if there's a, if there's a, a genetic factor or not, but at, from a Christian worldview, even if a person was, was born gay, so to speak, if that's like they're locked in to same-sex sexual desires from the moment of their birth, their genes, their DNA says it, and they have no control over those desires um, happening, then I would say, well, it's still the same call. We're called to take up our cross and follow Jesus. I'm called to deny myself and follow Christ. It, it's not like, God, I just, but what if I want the sin really bad? What if I was born wanting that sin? It doesn't make it okay now. Um, that seems really irrational. So I think, uh, also homosexual behavior happening in the animal kingdom. I I don't look at the animal kingdom as the, as normative for, you know, Christian behavior or people's behavior. I don't know if you were implying that or not, Doug. I I, probably not, but that's what some might've gotten from that. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think it has a genetic component because of the studies that I've read, um, and, and, it, and I think the relationship of the animal kingdom, like sometimes they do cannibalism, sometimes they kill their mothers. Some, you know, I just don't think that what they do is normative for anybody. Um, Ryan Tanner has a question. He says, I actually just submitted an application uh, to an extremely pro-gay, pro-trans company. It is just an IT position, so I don't feel convicted about the work, but what would be your advice? What would your advice on this be? Oh, Ryan, I would just say, um, you need to have a clear conscience before God. I don't know the specific role you'll have they they are they're pro are you are you by working for them promoting something ungodly or or can you perhaps make a difference and do it as a missionary i don't know god give you wisdom um i think that someone would have to listen to you sit down and listen to you for half an hour tell your whole story about that company and what they do and maybe they could give you some counsel uh so ryan you can give me a call i know ryan he used to be one of my students <laughs> so so let's talk in more detail maybe i can give you some counsel um, Amy Klassen says, Hey Mike, thanks for your discussion of these things. How do you see the, this issue in general as a sort of, uh, canary for the larger attack on what, on what truth is? Uh, how do we shine the light there? I think the phrase canary refers to like, they would bring a canary into the mines. And if the canary died, then it meant get out of the mine. There's like a leak or there's some, a problem with the oxygen, so to speak. Um, well, the canary would die first. It would be a, a red flag, a signal, danger, danger. It's like a smoke alarm or fire alarm going off. I think that this is a watershed issue. I fully agree with you there. Um, I think that as Christians, my thought is stand boldly on the truth, defy the stereotype. The world wants to paint me as a Christian as though I'm hateful and bigoted, uninformed and 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 maybe even secretly, I'm secretly gay. If I was tempted with that, I would actually be open about it. I would use it as, a, as an opportunity to minister to people. I'll just tell them, yeah, I'm tempted that way too, you know? Um, I wouldn't have a problem with that, actually. I, I, would, I would consider it a greater calling to serve in that ministry, to be honest. But, um, but I want to defy that stereotype. And I want to say, hey, I love, love, love homosexuals. And that's why I have to say that this is wrong. And that encouraging people to do dangerous things and wrong things is a bad idea. Um, I've been there. You've been there, right? You, if you encourage your friends to do bad things... Some people think that makes you a good friend because you got my back. That makes you a terrible friend. And, um, yeah, <laughs> so pretty simple stuff to me. Hard, but easy, um, at the same time. So Linda Richardson says, uh, is this situation, uh, homosexual activity denying Christ? I mean, it's what it is. Is it sin? Um, is it the worst possible sin? No, 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 no. It's not the worst possible sin. Um, Uh, I don't think so at all. I don't think homosexuality is the worst sin, nor is it, um, the same as someone ate too much hamburger. I don't think gluttony and homosexuality are on the same, you know, level, so to speak. Um, so is it denying Christ? I mean, it's, it's a behavior in rebellion to God, but the Bible does say one thing in first Corinthians. It says that sexual sins, all sexual sins are of a particular nature that they're a degree of, more dangerous than other sins because they involve not only like if I was to curse you, I just said something with my mouth, right? My heart, my mouth. But when I do something sexually sinful, I do it with my body. There's this mystical union of two people. And when you take that and you muddy it with sin, it becomes an especially dangerous sin. So it is a serious thing. Um, Another question from Pine Creek. Does Mike think a deceived Christian who practices homosexuality continually will not receive eternal life. I think I know his answer. (laughs) Well, then why ask? (laughs) Um, I think that if someone is, I, I would have to put it this way. I don't know, obviously everybody's heart and their complexity of their life and all that. If a person is living in sin, that is, they live in the constant continual practice of sin that is in blatant rebellion to God. I have no confidence in their salvation that they're even truly a Christian. I can't put confidence in that. And that's, the best answer I can give, uh, for that. Um, yet I believe in the grace of God and his incredible mercies. But at what point do I say, nope, you've gone too far. Well, I don't, and I don't know how to declare it. Um, yeah, God, God knows and God will. It's just not up to me. So Mariano Rogers says for Mike, what do you think about guys like Matthew Vines who tries to fit homosexuality into the scriptures? Um, I think Matthew Vines has, um, utterly butchered the scriptures And as I listened to his testimony, I actually listened to him and he says in his own story that he decided that he wouldn't be able to tolerate a Christianity that said that homosexuality was wrong. To him, and this is what happens with a lot of people, homosexuality is their real pillar of truth. And they say, God, you will either accept homosexuality or I will reject you. And the idea of rejecting God to them seems really hard, right? So then they go to the Bible and they go, let me see if I can make it fit. <laughs> and so they're reinterpreting and twisting utterly the scriptures. Like for instance, his his handling of Romans one, Matthew Vines, he gives multiple contradictory interpretations of Romans one, different interpretations that all conflict with each other, and he presents them like they're all they're all true, um, because he's just grasping at straws to not look at the scripture and what it actually says. Yeah. So I, I I'm I'm ashamed. I am I'm just being honest. I, am ashamed of the kind of stuff I see when I see people try to twist the Bible to affirm homosexual behaviors, not because I hate homosexual behaviors, but because I love the word of God and it's wrong for you to twist it in such blatantly wrong ways. There are questions about scripture that I'm like, I wonder, that's a hard one. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how these verses are going to, basically, I don't know what they're saying on this one particular topic. There are those issues. This is not one, one of those issues. It's pretty clear. Um, from Ricky Pickering says, uh, Mike, you say that two men can be married and live together as long as they don't have sex. It's okay. Oh, I wouldn't say that the marriage is okay. I don't think the marriage is okay. I'm sorry. Two men living together, uh, two guys that are roommates or whatever, that's nothing's wrong with that. Um, would you apply that same standard to other sexual sins such as adultery? Um, so if there's no sex going on between the two people and nothing sexual, going on between two people, you just have two guys that are, that have an incredibly loving, wonderful relationship. Nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. I mean, do you see, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, Two, two ladies who are like just best friends and their relationship is so close and so wonderful and so loving. There's nothing lesbian about that. It's the sexual act that's wrong. The marriage side, that's obviously, uh, it doesn't exist. That, that marriage is, is exist as far as the state's concerned, but as far as God's concerned, that's not, that's not what marriage is. Um, that's my understanding of it. Um, when it comes to adultery, well, if, if I'm a, if I'm, if I'm a a man and I'm living with a woman and we have passions for, well I'll put it this way. If you have two guys and they're passionate for each other, they have sexual desires for each other. They shouldn't live together. Like that's just foolish. That's just foolish. Same thing for a guy and a girl. You shouldn't live together. You have passions for one another. That, that would be foolish as well. Um, so anyway, I, I hope, that clarifies my position on that. From Kate the Great, um, how do I reach out to someone who struggles with homosexuality? My first tip is this, Kate, one-on-one. You and them alone, nobody else in the room. Sit down, take them out to eat. Um, Tell them how much you care about them, how much you love them. Be honest and be real about it. Don't just platitudes about, I love you. No, you tell them how you really care about them and then ask them like, can I talk to you honestly about these issues? I care about you. I'm concerned about you. And then just be honest. Tell them the truth. Um, so get one-on-one, not in a group, don't talk about them to other people, just get them one-on-one and have that conversation. That, that would be my encouragement. One-on-one conversations are so different than this, what I'm doing right now. Um, and they're better because of that. Bradley Wilcox says, um, uh, AJ, can you let Mike know we love him and thank him for being such a great defender of God and the Bible. Thanks. Thank you, Bradley. That means a lot to me. Um, it is, it is a privilege and honor to, uh, to get to do this. I, I only hope I do it well and honor Christ And, um, on that final day, get I get a well done. That's, that's what I want. (laughs) Um, okay. Next question from, uh, S McCoy, Mike, like you, I'm not mad at her, but should we continue to use her music as worship when presenting it to the flock? Um, I, I would not, um, I would not make a blanket blanket statement about that. I don't. I don't even know Lauren Daigle's songs, to be honest. Um, I, I looked up one song; or it's like her most famous song. "You Say," I think it's called. And um, I don't think I can answer that question for you. Um, I really. I'm sorry. I don't think I. I don't think I'm qualified to answer that question for you. Um, God give you wisdom. I don't think it's an absolute blanket. No, don't use her music. Um, sometimes we're too quick to cut people off. When maybe we should be reaching out to them, I think we should be reaching out to Lauren, um, letting her know that we, I, hey, look, we love you, we care about you, we appreciate you. You want to cross over and do the secular music? Fine, go for it. You know, God bless you in it. But we we hope that you will know the truth of the Word of God and be willing to stand upon it. And that would be that would be the thing. And put that above your career. Put Jesus above the career. You know, and above and the idea that, for instance, and this may not be her, but some people feel this way. The idea that I just have to build my base. I have to build my following and then I can be more open and outspoken about what I believe. That is a pipe dream. That is a pipe dream. Um, I would encourage everyone in the world to f- forget about that. <laughs> so Mariano Rogers says, does the, pl- does the pl- proliferation of pornography in our culture help to promote our acceptance of homosexuality and our, and our culture celebrating it? Um y- well, yeah, I think it helps, but I think that the the acceptance of homosexuality came first. I think it came, f- or maybe alongside, maybe it came sort of at a similar time. But no, I think, yeah, homosexuality came first, the acceptance of it. And that had to do with a lot of other issues. Um, but but I do think that the that pornography, the effect it's having on our culture and on people's minds is that it is continuing, it's, it's increasing the rate at which your mind can get corrupted by sexual sin. The rate and the depths of corruption as things get worse and worse and worse and you get more and more corrupted and you start looking for more and more twisted and wrong things that it's, it's sin doesn't leave us the same. When I commit sin, it changes me. And because I have such terrible sins at my fingertips, it can change me very fast and very bad. And people who think it's just a joke and it's just entertainment and stuff like that. um, That is such folly. That is such folly. Um, And the consequences, well, they take years to show, but they will show in our culture and in people's lives. Um, Isabella Broadbent says, Hi Mike, if a gay person began to attend a church, at what point and in what fashion should they be confronted about their lifestyle? Should they be confronted at all or left to God? I don't know that there's a pat answer for it. I'll say this, we shouldn't be afraid to confront people or talk to them about their lifestyles. We shouldn't be intimidated. We should be looking for wisdom. So I don't want to respond out of fear, but I want to have wisdom um, and be thoughtful about how I approach somebody. But I think it's very situation specific. Um, I don't walk up to someone and be like, oh, you know, you're you're sending off signals that maybe you're gay. Like, can, are you gay? Can we talk about that? I, I mean, like I, I just like if a new couple came to the church, I don't generally first question ask them, are you guys married? Are you sleeping together? Are you living together? Like, I just don't do that first time I'm meeting somebody. And maybe I'm too timid in some ways, but I would, you know, I would probably wait at least some time, at least allow us to introduce. But I will say this: um, delaying sharing the gospel is probably a mistake. Now you may or may not target that issue. God give you wisdom. But the gospel's the gospel, man. Whether you whether it's homosexual sin or other sin, you have sin issues. Jesus is the forgiveness for your sin. He died to pay the price for your sin, to bring you to God, to show you the forgiveness and grace of God, but you have to repent of your sin. And sometimes there's the preaching of the gospel where I don't have to identify your sin in order to preach repentance, Um, whereas other times perhaps I do. Um, May God give us wisdom to know the difference. So so this has been good. (laughs) I hope that this has been helpful for you guys. Um, I struggled a bit with how to present this content. I'm not looking to take what's going on with this whole Lauren Daigle thing and be like, I'm going to jump on her and attack her or defend her and attack the people that attack her. It's not so much about her. I think her event, her interview and what she's going through exposes what a lot of people are struggling with. And the bottom line is, it's not just Jesus in his goodness and his love that's unpopular. It's Jesus in his holiness. Jesus in his holiness. And when he comes into a community and he says, yeah, I'll sit and eat with the sinners, but to call them to repentance, not to just hang out with them. You know that Jesus calls us to repentance and he calls sin, sin. And the scripture is very clear on these issues. I've got to use my opportunities to draw people to Christ and not, um, not be ashamed or afraid and hopefully not confused about what the scripture clearly teaches on these topics. So thank you guys for joining with me today. This has been the Tuesday live stream. I do every Tuesday at five PM, trying to help you to think biblically about everything. I appreciate your guys' questions. I appreciate your your, your thoughts, and I'll I'll be watching the comments below, you know, as much as I'm able to, um, to see what you guys uh, what you guys might have to share. If nothing else, maybe you're you're not a believer. If nothing else, I hope you walk away from this understanding where Christians are coming from, and hopefully, maybe you'll stop vilifying me. <laughs> That would be nice. (laughs) All right. God bless you.